and welcome to By The Fire Podcast, where I, Ken, your host, take you through mythical tales and creatures from across the Black Diaspora. My goodness, it has been such a long time since I've said this. <sighs> What's my excuse this time? You know what? Moving to a new city and starting a new job really does take its toll, and I can admit that I have neglected this podcast, but I'm back. So that I don't make this episode too long, this episode is actually about divination. And you might be thinking, divination again? But honestly, there is so much information about seeing the future out there that I couldn't condense it to one episode. Not even two, but thousands. No, it's not going to be thousands. But this is going to be the final episode about divination. And yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. The Dogon are an ethnic group of people from Mali and today I'll be talking about how divination works from their culture. So the myth recounts that Amma is the creator who conceives of the world in thought and gives it concrete expression through the articulation of his spoken word. Ogor is one of the primordial beings who, in restless determination to find completion, breaks away from his womb prematurely. In a series of vain and fruitless efforts, Ogor attempts to bring into existence a rival world of his own making. And with each effort to make that world, Ogo is punished and further deprived of one of the elements associated with the powerful and creative faculty of speech. Ogo's reckless transformations nevertheless give shape and definition to the world, with the result that he is a co-determining partner of creation, along with Amma. In the end, Ogo's disobedience is punished and he is reduced to the abased form of the fox, forever to remain a lonely figure on the periphery of culture. However, Amma confers upon him the status of intermediary, serving humanity as the mediator of divination. And through divination, the fox's word continues to shape the world as it guides human action. So, in order to manage life, the Dogon consult the divinatory table, which serves as an instrument of divination to predict the future for the Dogon people. But it's not a simple code, and it's not an indicator of given patterns of a preordained system. What's really interesting is that it doesn't represent a view that life and destiny is fixed and determined by a high god. Instead, divination, according to the Dogon people, in its concept, is categorised by change that's either unaccountable or unexplained, is part of order and is part of life. Dogon divination depends upon the myth as its foundation, so it's there as a context. However, it's not really... It's not something that is reenacted or used symbolically to explain the future, which is what was similar in the first part when I was talking about the Ifa people praying to Eshu and Ifa. So instead, in the Dogon divination, um, it brings its participants to recognise constant, unforeseeable change as an integral part of the existence of life. Furthermore, by showing people to be actively engaged in this change, It suggests that people are as much partners in determining their own future and the state of the world as is the divination's mythic founder, Ogo. So I love that. I love that idea that, um, you know, people can, like, people have a role in determining what they want. The divination ceremony begins just before sundown in the evening. The diviner begins the ritual by drawing six interconnected squares in the sands at the foothills of the Bandiagara Cliffs, which by the way look really cool if you search it on the internet. Together with the squares, an intricate pattern of symbol is drawn that represent God's wishes, life and death, regional harmony and subsequently an eye-shaped drawings represents peace and death which are both traced. 
Then the diviner places tiny sticks representing God and family in the sand panels. After, minutely holds small sand mounds representing next harvest, village harmony, sickness and individual mortality are made. So again, that's why I was talking about how cool it looks. It looks like, if I was to say it in a basic way, sand castles, but they are so like intricately made. It looks like a mini city for ants. It looks really amazing if you just search it up on Google. All along, while drawing the sand patterns, the diviner chants prayers, appealing to the fox to come and foretell the future. The prayers finish just before darkness and everyone returns to their village. The following morning, all villagers gather at the site of the ceremony to discover footprints of the fox across the sand drawings made by the diviner. The path of the fox foretells the future of the village for the forthcoming year and peace and future of the families. What's interesting is that the numerous problems of translation, including, for example, too many paw marks or the superimposition of tracks from other animals, are considered to be ambiguities built into the whole process of divination, because the words of the fox are also considered to be as unreliable as his character, i.e. Ogo being someone who was, you know, defiant and didn't even care about being punished. So like all religious symbols, the sounds of divination can be contradictory in nature. However, in Dogon divination, this ambiguity is actually more significant because it demonstrates the idea that in predictions, even if you have um, a certainty in the prediction of the future, humans still have the freedom and responsibility in determining their own course of events. So rounding off, there are two categories of divination according to the Dogon people and the one I explained in this episode is known as divination by the fox. So essentially interpreting dreams, interpreting the fox's footprint in order to understand and foretell the future and this is actually more of a widespread practice amongst the people. However, there is actually another type of divination where a diviner whose exceptional intellectual qualities enable him to predict the consequences of events allows him to have that title. So his divination is accomplished without the aid of tools, unlike the first category, but by deduction and intuition. Essentially, he's not a magician, but he's able to use rational analysis of a social situation and is able to measure and diagnose behaviour. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, be sure to rate and comment on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify and you can also listen on SoundCloud. Use the hashtag BTFpod so we can continue the conversation online and I look forward to you joining me for the next episode, which will be in two weeks if I focus. Be sure to also follow me at bythefire underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok where I post little snippets of this episode um, and Facebook as well. You can follow me on my Kofi KO-FI. Um, if you like this episode or any previous episodes, then you know I do accept donations or tips and would really appreciate it and there are perks if you do so. If you have a creature or folklore you'd like to hear or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email bythefire at bythefire.mail at gmail.com. I look forward to you joining me next time by the fire. Bye.